Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. Turn with me to Psalm 37. I love the focus of our songs because it really helps put us in the area where I want to focus our attention. This was one that just keeps coming back to me as we see and hear what's happening in our world and sometimes even to us. In other words, because you choose, if you choose, because you choose to live out your faith in a God-like way, in the way that God has, has, has ordained, has prescribed, you are always faced with pushback. You always get people that are pushing back against how you choose to live. And sometimes that pushback is heavier than others. Sometimes that pushback is a threat. It's a threat specifically to you and maybe individually and your, um, your, your, your life, your lifestyle, your livelihood. Sometimes it's just a threat to the believing community. And, and, and God has given us multiple places, but one place where he helps us out of how to handle that is in, um, is in the 37th division of the psalm. And how do we deal with evildoers? I want to I wanna title this, Keeping Your Focus When You Are Tempted to Fret. Keeping Your Focus When You Are Tempted to Fret. The command we'll see here to, to not to fret happens three times in the nine verses that I'm going to read. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. Why? Because it is really encouraging on how to maintain or to get back your focus if you've been knocked off center or knocked off focus because of what evil is happening not only in our world but to you. So this morning, I want to be able to help us just walk through. He gives us, David gives us a series of commands and warnings. And this is very much, you know, very much like the book of Proverbs type of teaching. This is really considered a wisdom psalm in that he is giving us good general wisdom to handle our environment that we live in. David understood what it was like to live around those that did not honor God, as a matter of fact, that opposed him. And I don't think this is something that just stays in David's day. We live in a world right now that actively, blatantly opposes God. And some of that time, they're opposing you directly. How do we deal with that? What are the temptations in that environment? What are the warnings and what are the blessings that are there? Let's go before the Lord and pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the brothers that were able to sing and share about you. Thank you for them encouraging us. Thank you, Lord, for a brother who is continually meeting the needs of others through me as foundation. Thank you, Lord, for the way in which we see your love demonstrated. And Father, I pray right now that you would open our eyes and our understanding, Lord, that we would, we would see and we would know 
what you require and that we, res we would respond in a way that honors you. For those that don't know you today, I pray that this would be that opportunity, Lord, that they get to hand themselves over, give their lives over, commit themselves to you so that they would walk according to your will. We ask you this in Christ's name, amen. I'm going to read for the sake of time. I'm not going to read through the whole thing. I'm just going to go along with it. Um, but he starts off and says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. It's interesting with this particular focus, he starts off with a command of what not to do. And so, again, the nation understood, David understood, and, and actually these evildoers really was concerning the land that Israel had, and the threat was that it would be taken, and God has already made his promise that you will enter the land that I promised. And even though, even though those threats are imminent, and even though it seems like they're winning, and they're overtaking you, God says, my plan is still in effect. Now, I understand that was for David and for Israel at that time, but I really think we can use this right now. As you are living out your faith, I, 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 you know, listening to the news, you, it, it looks like we're losing. Lord, this is out of control. The God of this morning, I get news feeds that just kind of come to my phone. I, I, I think we'll need to silence them because it's, it's just like blowing up. Shooting at Castleton, five shootings overnight at the gas station on the east side. This one on the west side, south side, you just name it. Another mall, another place. You look down now, Pastor. I was just like, Lord, what? Come on. It looks like it's out of control. And he says to those who are his, not everyone, because if you are counted in the evildoers, this is not for you. He says, fret not yourself or don't fret because of what you see, hear, and experience. Well, what does the word fret mean? See, and, and, and we think fret, you know, just kind of means to fuss, you know. Why are you fretting? We don't really use that word a lot. I mean, some of the old school would use that, you know. And we kind of equate fret with fussing, but it's not. That word fretting really speaks of this kindling and burning anger inside of you. It is this smoldering fire of anger because of the evil that is happening either to you or to your community. You see injustice. You see sin out of control. You see things that are happening and you really can't do a whole lot to stop it and you get mad. Man, I'm just so tired of these. And you fill in the blank. Can't keep nothing nice, always. Oh, my goodness, do they understand, you know, they're opposing God. And you just start getting angry and angry and more angry over the display of sin and the opposition against God. And David comes and God, through David, warns us and he says, stop being angry like that over evildoers. 
because you think it's a threat to you. That's what I love that he says to us. He goes, stop it. Wait, wait, hold on a second. I'm not supposed to be angry at sin. No, he's not saying that you are supposed to be happy with the sin that's happening. He's not saying that at all. He's saying what that sin is causing to happen in you is what I want you to stop. Sin is going to continue until the day this earth ends. The Bible says that. But our reaction in it and to it is, is what's going to govern our effectiveness or render us ineffective in walking with the Lord. So he tells them, don't get angry. Don't get to the point where inside of you is this smoldering resentment. And how can I tell? Because when the next thing starts to happen, you just blow up. Something goes on. I just, I've had it. You know, these sinners get on my nerve. Someone told me being, being, being angry at those that are lost in their sin. It's like being angry at a person drowning. And I go, I would never be angry at a person drowning. I would try to help. Now, the person can refuse my help. But what he is trying to get us to do is to grab our attention, focus our, our mind and our hearts so that we can be able to demonstrate who God is in the face of evil and as we're around evildoers, because that's the point. Let's keep going. He says to you, don't fret because of them. Don't be envious because here's what they said. People that are not doing it God's way, let me just help you out. Newsflash, they're getting ahead. They're making money. They're getting the positions that you may want. They may be living part of the lifestyle that you want. I'm not saying all of it, but those that are not doing things God's way seem to be getting their way. And I'm mad, Lord. Here I am over here sacrificing and suffering for you. And they over here getting ahead. I might as well join them. That's what he's getting ready to answer. Because he says, don't be envious of them. Why would I be envious of an evildoer? I had to ask that question. Why would I ever want what an evildoer has? Answer, because they are getting some of the things I want. And they're not trusting God and still getting it. And so... We get, this, we get this picture. Wow, Lord, someone lied to me. They told me if I came to you, everything was going to be all right. I was going to get mine. It was all going to be set up for me. If I ask, you just give. If I need, you just hand it over. That wasn't going to struggle. Yeah, someone lied to you. Because the issue becomes, as you are walking in Christ in this world that is opposed to him, Jesus said, look, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. 
If they were opposed to him, they're going to be opposed to you. If they threw obstacles in his way, they're going to throw it in yours. If you choose to follow Christ, there is a scripture that says, they who will live godly must or will suffer persecution. It's a part of the lifestyle. It's a part of what we have. But Lord, I don't want that. Because I'm looking at these folk out here, boy, they seem to have it easy, Lord. And God says, you got the wrong perspective. You are looking at a short-term, temporary perspective, and it's making you envious. I want what they have. Why? Because it seems to be working. They seem to get what I want without the sacrifices of doing what you ask. And then David puts a reality check for them in verse 2. He says, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. And they would understand what that meant in that terrain, in that culture, in that context, because he says like the sun and in that Middle Eastern culture at the time of year, the sun is so hot, it will burn any and everything that is out there. There's a season, it just wipes it out. And he gives them that picture and he says, hey, listen, I know it looks good, but, 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 let me give you an eternal perspective versus the temporary one that you currently possess because that's what's causing you to trip. You're looking at right now and you're not looking at down the road. How many people have shipwrecked and ruined their lives because they were so concerned with right now and they weren't concerned with the consequences, the fading that's coming later? It says, it might look good now. You actually might be seemingly winning now. Problem is, fading is coming when evil is ruling, ruling your life. And so he says to those who are his, listen, let's look beyond that because they will soon fade. Well, what is soon? Next week, next year? Soon might be the end of their life. The issue is soon in the context of eternity doesn't matter. If it's Five years, it went, well, if it's five minutes or 500 years, what is either of those time frames in the light of forever? So he's setting our context. What do you mean by soon, Lord? You know, God's going to bless you soon. It's been 10 years. Well, as opposed to eternity, that's nothing. So what he has us to do for all of us as believers, let's change and set our perspective and our mindset to an eternal one. That way, 5, 10, 2, 3, 20 is easy to manage because I'm thinking in terms, in terms of eternity. And I'm thinking beyond here. Now, for some of us, that makes it difficult. No, Lord, I want it all here. Now he's going to deal with that in just a little bit because he wants us to change something. And so he tells them to fret not because they're going to fade. And then he goes into these quick bursts. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on them. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. And that word trust really for us means that you have no care. It actually came up as I was looking at this carelessness. What? No. It, it's not saying that you're careless. It's saying that you... Have, that you are careless. You know, you know how we say it wrong? You know, I could care less. That means that you could. But when we really mean I couldn't care less or I don't have a care, 
That's what it means to trust in the Lord. What do you mean I don't have a care? He didn't say you don't have um, um, unmet desires. He just says they don't weigh on you as a burden and a care. Why are you careless? Because I have complete confidence in the plan and ability of God. Notice he still didn't get what he wanted. David is speaking to them. God is speaking through David, and he says, trust in the Lord. Now, that Lord is all caps, which is Yahweh, which is the God who keeps his covenants, the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. So he's pointing your attention. How do you... How do you get to the point where you don't fret? You realize who you're trusting in. If your trust is in any one thing, I'm talking about complete trust. I'm not talking about temporary for something that you're doing right now. The trust for your life in its direction is not in the covenant keeping and making God. You're trusting in the wrong source. It can't deliver eventually. So I like what he says. So not only your trust will cause you to do something. See, here's how you can tell if you are trusting. Notice I didn't say here's how you can tell that your neighbor. Here's how you can tell if you are trusting in the Lord or not. What good is it promoting you to do? And when I say good by God's standard, as you get into the word and you see how he is calling you to live, how is your trusting him helping you to maintain that way of life in the face of threats from people who are living opposite of God? So he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Some people say, I'm trusting the Lord. And we say, no, you're not because you're still living opposing God. You're not trusting the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord. Mm, but there's no good coming out of that trust. There's no lifestyle change that God would classify as good. And so I would say you're not, not yet at least. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. That whole deal. So one was trust in the Lord and that trust leads to doing good. And he says dwell in the land. This is what I love about that dwelling. He's, he's not saying you're going to be tempted to leave the land. Dwell means to settle in, settle down, make yourself at home. When someone asks you back then, where did you dwell? They wouldn't talk about where did you visit for five, ten minutes and then you left. It, it says, where did you stay? Where did you get comfortable? Where did you relax? Where do you relax? When someone says, where do you live? That's what we would say today. You're answering, I live, and you talk about your home. That's the place where you let your hair down, where you relax, where you get comfortable, where you refresh. That's where you dwell. And so what he's saying here is dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. That's funny. He says, dwell why? Because you and I, when evildoers are present, we will be tempted to become distant, uninvolved, and cold. We will be tempted not to live and to settle ourselves where we are. We're always we're agitated. We're looking to change. We're looking to, I'm, I'm just looking to get out of here. I'm tired of this, Lord. 
I'm looking to get up. This is, this, is, this is not. And so I become uninvolved. I become detached. I become distant in your current world. What God is saying, make yourself at home right where you are. Why? Because he hasn't changed it yet. Maybe he's working on changing some things in and through you. Maybe he is. But he says, until I change that, make yourself at home while you trust me. When someone tells you to make yourself at home, oh, okay, I'm sorry. If someone really means to make yourself at home, they're telling you to act like you're home. Mm, say that to a whole lot of people. Make yourself at home. No, no. Wait till you get home to make yourself at home. But if, but, but if a person tells you to make yourself at home, what they're saying is for you, dwell here as if this is where you live. And when you say that, you, you, you got to expect for people to act like that. So if they throw their shoes off and take off their pants, be like, yo, what you doing? You said make myself at home? I didn't mean that. See, but, but, but understand what he's telling us, dwell in the land. What land? The land that seems to be threatened by the evildoers. That's the whole reason for the fretting. He says instead of fretting about it, settle in. Why? Because God says, you're not going anywhere until I decide that you go. So whether it's your job, whether it's a situation that you're trying to, God, I, I, I don't know what you're going to do. Lord, I, I, I really worked hard to get this and to maintain. God says, dwell. Can you relax? Can you live here right now? God, I don't want to be here. I know you don't. I know you won't be here. But live here right now. I remember, boy, I remember a couple years as things really started getting difficult um, in just the, the, the environment and the area where we were as I was pastoring the church in Europe. And I remember one day, I, I, I just had it. I was enough. Just, I didn't want to talk to another person from the culture. I was like, I, I, I didn't get their language all that much. I tried hard. You know, I learned some German. Um, um, I really didn't like parts of the culture and the way that they dealt with, because I'm American and they're, you know, Swiss, and, and the two cultures would clash at times. And I remember getting ready to leave the house one time, and I had just said in my mind, actually, I said it out loud, but I was the only one around, so no one heard it. I was like, God, I don't want another Swiss to even say nothing to me today. I don't even want to see him. I don't even want to be here. I remember saying that. Thankfully, the Lord doesn't tell on me. And he says, is that how I want you to be in the world? That's the voice that came, is that how I want you to be in the world? And I was like, Lord, really? And then I said something, I don't want to be here right now. When can I leave? I remember saying that. And boy, you know, just as strong as ever came to my mind, bloom where you're planted. That was the answer. So the answer is, you're not going anywhere for a while. Sell down, dwell, dwell, live. And he told me, befriend faithfulness. What does that mean? Make faithfulness a friend of yours. In other words, you and faithfully living out God's plan are buddies while you're learning to dwell. 
Now, notice what he didn't say. He didn't change anything about the context or the environment of evildoers pushing in or threatening you. None of that has actually changed. All of the change is coming from you internally and in your environment. And boy, that was, that was refreshing because if it, if it never changes, and maybe he does move you out, but if it never changes, you change. And he says, look, why would he tell us to be faithful? Why would he encourage us to be faithful? Can I tell you why? Because when you are angry, frustrated, at evil that's around you and how it's affecting you and the injustice that's pushing in on you, one of your temptations will be to be unfaithful to God in how you answer it. It will. That is one of the temptations. I'm doing it my way now. I tried yours, God, and you've taken way too long. I'm doing it now. You know what that screams? Unfaithfulness. God says, you're not being faithful to my word, to me, to the way of life that I want. You are going to do your own thing, and that is a real temptation for us. And then he tells us, to me, he settles us as to why we are in the fretful stage that we are. Verse 4, we've misused that verse so much. It is in the context of telling you to dwell, to trust, not to fret. He says this verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The context was, he says, you are tempted to fret, you are tempted to be unfaithful. You're tempted, but he says, he says, you hear, he says, mm, look, delight yourself in the Lord. The problem may be, what you desire is focused on the wrong person. Right now, your desires are focused on you. They are. God, this is, and again, not wrong to have desires, but when they cause internal burning and churning and strife, what he says is delight yourself in the Lord, because right now that person, he said, I'm not getting what I desire. And you know what God is saying in this situation? He's not, he's not, he's not saying, hold on, I'm going to give you what you want. He goes, change your desires. Because when you delight yourself in the Lord, what it's saying is that he becomes treasure. He becomes pleasant to you. Him, his way what he wants, what he desires. So when it says delight yourself in the Lord, of course he will give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because you desire him. And what is he giving you? Him and everything that his plan desires for you. And so now it isn't, yeah, let me just delight myself in the Lord because he's going to give me what I want when I delight in him. Well, you don't understand that if you come into this thinking that somehow I'm going to, I'm going to pull a fast one on the Lord. I'm going to act like I want him when really what I want is what my desires are. He says, you misunderstand that verse. He says, what I'm saying to you is when I am your delight, your desires change. And thus, I'll give those to you. 
because that's what I wanted in the first place. And for some of us to get married, so you mean I won't get what I want? No, no. Here's what he'd rather do. If what you want is what God wants, you only want it because God wants it, not because it's your desire. When God becomes your delight, your desires change. Then he goes and says, so after you delight in him and he begins to change your desires, commit your lifestyle, your way, how you do things to the Lord. He, tra- he tells you again to trust in him and he will act. I love that he doesn't say when because that's my question. Trust in the Lord and he will act. When? When, Lord? He says, but you know what? If your desires change, it doesn't matter. And again, Once again, please, can I help us out? This is also in the context of it may not be feeling good at this time. And he says that doesn't matter to you. Yes, it may be painful. Yes, it may hurt. But understand what he's doing. If he's changing your desires and what you delight in, when you get to that point, okay, God, yeah, it doesn't feel good. But boy, I know you want this, so I'm here. I'm here. Commit your way, trust him, and he will act. When? Don't worry about that. And then he is saying, so he will display both your righteousness and your justice. He will show publicly on huge display. When? I don't know when, but you know what? You will be known for your righteousness and your justice in a world that's filled with unrighteousness and injustice. You will be known as a person who is righteous and just because that is one of the desires of the Lord for you and you will desire it. In verse 7, he says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for you. Can I tell you that's one of the hardest things to do? But you know what makes it easier? (laughs) Those verses before, you know what makes it easier? Delighting in him actually makes it easier. I did not say it makes it easy. It makes it easier. Why? Because when he is my pleasure, when he and who he is, is my joy. To be still and wait patiently. You know that actually that that whole picture is, because I really wanted to understand, yeah, I know what those words mean in our context. What did it mean there? And that waiting patiently on him was without It says, without churning, twisting, or dancing. What? You know how kids wait. You tell them, stand still. (laughs) Sit down. They're in that chair. They're all over the place. And when can I get up? Seriously, the word structure there says, wait patiently for him means without dancing, churning, twisting, and all that speaks of, I just, God, can you make this end? That's our whole disposition. And God says, settle yourself down. You don't trust me. You say, no, God, it's not that I don't trust you. I don't like your timing. You don't trust me. And we all deal with that. Hey, if the light is taking too long at the corner, I'm twisting and turning. 
edging up on the car, getting off the brake. Come on, when you going to change? How much so in our lifestyle when the Lord has that red light on? I'm just like, well, you just let it be green. And this is what I love as he gets down to the end of that. He says, fret not yourself again. But verse 8, refrain from anger and, re- and forsake wrath. If you don't allow yourself to change, he has this warning at the end to refrain because that's what, it, that's what it leads to. He says, refrain, back away from anger. Now, that's that fretting, getting more intense, that anger, and that anger leads to an action with his wrath. Wrath isn't just inside. Wrath expresses itself externally. When you are wrathful, it shows. That is this deep, intense hatred and disgust and despisement and, 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 and in an unholy way. See, God's wrath being holy is pure and justified. Ours is purely unholy. And we unleash that on folk, and folk be like, wow, where did that come from? Fretting unchecked, not dwelling, not waiting patiently on him, twisting and turning, and it just explodes. It didn't just happen. That was in the making for a while. And then he says, for the third time, fret not yourself. And he says, fretting only leads to, or it tends to, it leans towards evil. So here's what happens. If you keep fretting, you become who the Lord is telling you not to fret because of. An evildoer. You become who the Lord is telling you to live in spite of. And then he starts talking to others around you about living with you. Because you've flipped and have become an evildoer. And he gives us that warning at the end. He says, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Understand why that is so big. They will inherit the land or the space or the place that they are in fear of losing. What he's telling you is what you're in fear of losing, what you're in fear of that is causing you to respond the way you are in an ungodly way, God says it will be your inheritance. It's yours. What I plan for you cannot be thwarted by someone acting evilly against you. It can't. If God is indeed, all caps, L-O-R-D, Yahweh, if he is, No one can do a thing about God's plan for your life. Let me put it the other side. If you are opposed to God and you are fighting him, there is nothing that you can do to win over Yahweh, no matter what you try. Why? Because he is the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. 
And he calls us in love to be settled before him. And he will direct us. And there are times I have to read this over and over because I start fretting. I do. I start fretting. I start dancing and churning in my chair. I'm not waiting patiently. I'm that little kid going, okay, God, now. Okay, God, now. Okay, God, now. And he tells me, settle down. You act like I don't care. And I tell you, in the back of my mind at times, I almost want to say, it seems like you don't. And God says, you know I do. Yeah, I know you do. But I don't want you the way you want me to want you right now. And God is working on that in you and I. He wants us to want him according to his way. And right now, the way we want him, it may be unhealthy, may even be unholy. And so he is changing that for you and I. So here, he tells us, look at the end. Look at the end. Can I tell you, when you are tempted to be jealous of the way that the ungodly are getting what they want and living opposite of God, can I tell you to look at the end if they don't change? God says, look at their end. Stop looking at their right now. Do you want what's coming to them if, not, if they change nothing? Do you want their end is what God is asking you. Do you want their end? If you do, keep living the way that you won't live and you will have it. But if you want the end I have for you, don't worry about them. I got you. Amen? So application, God knows what he is doing. Jesus came to enable you to walk with God and live out your faith in an evil world. Let me say that again. Jesus, God knows what he is doing. Jesus came to enable you to walk with God and live out your faith in an evil world. And then lastly, set your heart to desire patience, faithfulness, trust, and doing the good that Scripture reveals to you. Set your heart to desire patience, faithfulness, trust, and doing the good that Scripture reveals to you. And then you will be able to settle down. You will be able to dwell. You will be, you will be able to make yourself at home where people think no one can ever be at home with. God knows evil is around. He knows you being at home doesn't condone it. He knows that. But he wants you to be at home. This God said, this is my world. Yes, I know they're running amok. I know they're making a mockery. He was like, that's what sinners do, isn't it? Why are you surprised? Instead, sell down. Because I'm getting ready to use you to demonstrate righteousness and justice. I'm getting ready to use you to bless and help someone. I'm getting ready to use you to settle yourself and others down so that God is honored. And in the process, boy, you become so mature. 
God can let you handle anything. I know some of you are like, no, God, God, please, I don't want to handle anything. Yeah, I know. But he does. And if he knows what he's doing, and he does, you know it's good. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.